Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery are purveyors of beautiful non-alcoholic beverages. Live on your own terms, be true to you, and drink what's good for your body and soul. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined by the beautiful Nat from Newcastle. Nat's been one of the participants in the How I Quit Alcohol challenge groups. She's one of the grads. She's a beautiful, beautiful human, and I'm so glad to have her here to share her story today. How are you, Nat? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
I'm so glad you're here. It's it's awesome to have you, and it was lovely to see you. We're fu- so funny that we caught up at a winery last week. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> But in full disclosure, that was for one of Ash's gigs. And so obviously none of we were on the tees. And it was really beautiful just to be amazing. there. And, yeah. It was such a nice venue. Yeah, it was beautiful, <laughs> wasn't it? We need to talk to them about doing an alcohol-free wine, perhaps. Yes. Yes. I didn't even I didn't even look, to be honest. They might already have one. But anyway, it was lovely to see you and your family and just to sit and enjoy some music and yeah. not be smashed. That's right. My first, I think that was my first sober concert. Oh, true. So you've been over one year sober now. 14 months, just over 14 months. Amazing. Well done. Thanks. It's good. It's great. Did you ever think you'd do it? Um, No, I didn't. I didn't. I actually did not. I think when I decided to give up, it was I just had to do it. I didn't know whether I would make it. But I just decided that I didn't drink anymore and that was it. That's bloody awesome. What led you to that? How did you get there to that realisation of I don't drink anymore? I was really suffering with depression pretty badly and I basically had to make a choice whether I wanted to keep going down that path and drinking myself and crying myself to sleep every night waking up feeling terrible and had so much self self-loathing and just to be there for my kids and my family. Yeah, so it was a decision that was basically had to happen. Otherwise it was not going to end well. Yeah, wow. And was it like daily drinking? How did it look for you? Um, in the end it was daily drinking and I guess over the years I definitely had lots of like times where I was daily drinking and then I'd cut it back. In the end, it was in lockdown and I couldn't work and I had the three boys at home homeschooling. In the beginning of lockdown, I think it was fun, but then by the end of lockdown, I just was drinking every day and just feeling really terrible about myself and um, just felt like I was in a hole that I couldn't get out of and I I kept talking about giving up or just taking a break and I did a couple of times I'd have a week off or I'd have five days off and then I would just say I'll just drink today Um, I'll just have a few and then that first day I would just have a few and I'd feel okay about that and then within like four days I was drinking myself and crying myself to sleep again yeah I just remember I'd spoken to my husband about it um, a fair bit and I'd spoken to a couple of girlfriends about it my drinking friends and my husband they were like oh don't be silly you don't need to do that you just need to cut back and you're not that bad and then but I knew in myself that I was that bad because I was the one that was feeling that way so I actually had another girlfriend that I said that to and she was like don't you let anyone tell you that you can't do this and just be strong and be true to yourself and if that's what you want then you show them that you can do it and that was that conversation was life-changing for me I just Mm. decided then I remember waking up in the morning and I was like yeah 
I'm going to do this. I sent a massive, long-winded message to my husband and said, I am doing this. Do not let me drink. <laughs> Fight with me. Do whatever you have to do. I am not having a drink. And he never said anything except that I 100% support you. And there were times when he would come home from work and I would say, I'm having a drink. And it was funny that I always waited for him to get home to say that. And he'd just say, no, you're not. And I'd go, okay, that's it. Decision made. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's so great, isn't it? So it's that support is so helpful and even yeah. like that friend what a beautiful friend to say you know this I'm is so choice. grateful to her so great I love her yes <laughs> yeah there should be more friends like that that are just so supportive and how's that your beautiful husband going no you're not that's so awesome mm-hmm. that's yeah. great so tell me when did you start drinking that um I started drinking at like 14 15 the same as everyone else that I went to school with we'd go to parks and different parties and stand outside the bottle shop or and get people to buy us grog passion pop spearmanty just that word (laughs) (laughs) makes you want to spew doesn't it spearmanty that's what we used to drink (laughs) yuck what did Um, it do for you back then it gave me confidence I was like painfully shy I always thought that I was the little ugly duckling with red hair so me too (laughs) (laughs) two rangers in one zoom room and uh, yeah I just think that it brought me out of my shell but like thinking back to it like I didn't even really know what blackouts were or anything like that but I would black out all the time and think it was funny like when friends would tell me stupid things that I did and like singing to people and dancing in front of people and like I can't even imagine ever doing that especially then when I was so shy and I can't sing and I can't dance everyone can (laughs) sing I I have to (laughs) disagree I don't know about the dancing but everyone can sing um no isn't it you know it just it's such a liar alcohol because it just comes in and says no no I'll take over from here thank you and now you're suddenly a singer and a dancer and yeah. you're waking up the next just next day just going, wow, well, that is possible for me if I drink this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think just being able to socialise with people and, um, yeah, and I can't, I just, it amazes me to think that we all thought that different behaviours were, was funny. We'd laugh about it and we didn't even know what we were doing. Yeah. And we yeah. were so young and, Yeah. Yeah, did you ever end up in any hairy situations? Oh, all the time. Mm, Lots of yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, me too. In just like ending up in with just randoms in a room somewhere or just at some person's house or someone's at your house and it's like, who, what the, uh, you know. Lots of times. Yeah. And we used to go to a nightclub and like it was, I don't know, like 20-minute drive away, but it would take us four hours to walk home every weekend. and. So just like, and many times I walked home by myself and I remember cars pulling over and saying, come on, hop in, we'll take you home. And like sometimes I did. I'd hop into the back of people's motorbikes with no helmet and just stupid, so stupid. I remember being chased across 
like an oval and I was lucky that the police station was right around the corner and I just ran as fast as I possibly could to this police station because I was being chased and I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> wow, that's so scary. Yeah, mm-hmm. just really stupid things. Yeah. 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 So how did it evolve for you from there? So from an early age, it's given you confidence and you're doing things that you wouldn't normally do. Talk us through like your 20s and, you know, how it's how it progressed, if it changed at all. I think it was always like drink excessively. Like whenever I drank or whenever I went out, it was always a lot. And I just thought that that was normal. It, well, it was. It wasn't normal, but it's not normal. But it was normal like with the people that I was hanging around. We all sort of did the same thing. Um, we'd go to nightclubs and just drink, go to dollar drinks and spend $100. Like how do you even spend $100 when you're, like back then, like this was when I was younger. Yeah, and it just, it was every weekend. And then when I started to work, I'm a hairdresser. So Thursday nights after work, we'd always have a drink. Friday nights after work, we'd always have a drink. And then Saturdays and Sundays, be drinking at the football on the Sundays and I'd have Mondays off. So I didn't get my license till I was in my early 20s. And even that, like I like think back now, I would have been out every Sunday and then having a driving lesson on a Monday morning and didn't think anything of it. Wow. And then I think, yeah, I just, I ended up moving out of home. And then I think I just, I think I felt a bit lonely and just with different relationships. I like, or when you got into a relationship, you started to be, you think you were sophisticated and you drink a bottle of wine with dinner and that was different. But then when you go out to parties and stuff, still, it would still be the same thing. And I guess over time and different relationships and being unhappy, being lonely, I guess, because I always like, move seem to move away from family and friends I think in my loneliness I would have a drink and then I think it's really sort of escalated when after I had my first child um and I was my partner at the time was he was quite a big drinker he was away a lot I'd just be at home by myself and I had no family or friends around me. So I'd give Janery's dinner and I'd sit there and watch Bold and the Beautiful and have a glass of wine. And that seemed to be like every day. Um, And then it just escalated Mm. from there, I guess, because I was unhappy and just started drinking like pretty much daily at that stage. Isn't it sad too when you look back in hindsight and you realise I was desperately unhappy. I was lonely. And rather than address those things that were showing up for me, I just drank it away. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're all guilty of that, right? To For whatever it is that's showing up for us. Because you yeah. think like it makes you feel good for a little while. <laughs> yeah. But then that issue is still there. The problem and is then until it, until it makes you feel bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. And how are you feeling? So you're drinking it to feel good. How are you feeling? you know, after drinking it, how are you feeling the next day? At that stage, I don't think I was, I ever thought it was the alcohol. I just thought it was me just being lonely. Like I wasn't, by that stage, I wasn't in any danger or I was just lonely and on my own and 
had this little baby that I didn't really know what I was doing with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is terrifying. Do you think you had postnatal? Oh, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. I like really struggled at stages to leave the house. I was living on the northern beaches and I didn't know anyone. All my family were um, on the other side of Sydney and Jonah was really not a happy baby. He used to scream a lot in the car. So I did do a lot of travelling over to the other side of Sydney, but he just used to scream. So it just got harder and harder. And he was probably unhappy because his mother was. <laughs> yeah, um, well, the, the babies, they pick up on it. You know, Gub- yeah. Gubble references a lot of that in his books, in The Myth of Normal and also in The Realm of Hungry Ghosts. And I think also actually in Scattered Minds, so where the, the baby's nervous system is picking up on the mum, of course, naturally, because that's their, their main caregiver. Yeah, absolutely. So the alcohol is giving you that reprieve, I guess. So you And you weren't seeing it as a problem at this point? Um, I think I was. I was definitely, actually, I don't think it, I was seeing the alcohol prob- at the problem. I was thinking that I was depressed. And I did see someone for a little while then. And, you know, ebbs and flows, you start feeling a little bit better and I stopped seeing this person and then I moved up to Newcastle and things changed again and you go through stages where you daily drink and then you go through stages where you try and cut back a bit and usually not because of the health reasons. It was usually because I wanted to lose weight or something like that. It had nothing to do. And then I just changed my choice of alcohol to something that was less calories yeah same yes (laughs) Mm. which is crazy yeah 100 percent. I yeah I remember switching over to vodka and and sodas because it was less calories and you're right oftentimes I mean there was times where I was like oh my behavior this is bad I'm stopping but really if I'm to be honest a lot of my driver back back uh was to do with like weight and things like that absolutely yeah. Yeah. Which can be a great driver for some people as well. So talk to me about, so we're getting up to, you know, you've met your partner, you had some more kids, you know, how's the alcohol progressing at this point? So I ended up leaving Jonah's dad. Um, so there was a bit of a stage there that was pretty tough. I moved in with my beautiful auntie while I was trying to sort my life out. And I guess I still had my salon at home and trying to work from home and then trying to deal with the separation. And yeah, I think just being in a house with my auntie and my cousin and we would have a few drinks every day and then every now and then we'd try and cut back I definitely did try and cut back at that stage and then I don't even know when it started to get worse I think just different stages um I ended up meeting my husband now we moved in together and maybe dealing with a blended family um new relationship trying to sort my business out because I had my own business and I ended up falling pregnant with river and obviously I actually stopped drinking before I fell pregnant with river um I was doing some diet (laughs) um so then yeah obviously didn't drink and then I think when he was little it just like maybe I don't know when he was like he can't wait till he stopped breastfeeding so you can start having a drink with friends and stuff again and by this stage Jonah had started school so met some beautiful friends, like his friends, parents and stuff like that. So then started going out and 
doing things and catching up like my life was heaps more social and you just your social life was revolved around drinking I didn't Mm. I don't think like I remember saying to someone years ago he sort of questioned me about my drinking it was when I like first joined the gym that I go to now yeah he said to me why do you drink and I'm like what (laughs) well everyone drinks (laughs) why do I drink because it's fun (laughs) it gives me confidence and like I just thought that that was such a way out question like I just would think well why would you not drink (laughs) Mm -hmm. I never knew anyone that didn't drink so yeah it was that's crazy did that question make you start questioning the alcohol at all Definitely. I don't mm. think like at the time it did, but I think he he kept asking me because like I'd go out on the weekends and I'd like he'd help me with my nutrition and stuff. And he was actually like really helped me a lot with my mental health. I've always like suffered with depression and gone through different stages of depression and darkness. And so I really looked up to him and really admired his advice and, yeah, he really helped me. So I think because I did think so highly of him, I did actually start to think, yeah, well, not everyone drinks. Like, he doesn't drink. There are lots of people in the gym that I train with every day that don't drink like I do. And I started to realise that and I started to be a bit embarrassed about how much I actually drank and you'd hide it. and yeah, you you would never be honest with actually how much you drank. So, yeah, I did start to think about it then. It's interesting how just changing the people that you're around, then you start to see things a little bit differently. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, so there is another way of doing things, whether that's alcohol, whether it's a whole lot of things, I guess, but just exposing yourself to different people does open you up to a whole new world especially if you've been in this sort of rut and it's not feeling good and your body sends you the signals all the time when you've got mental health issues it's your body trying to let you know something's not right something's not right here and you know that's the first thing you've got that's the the thing you've got the body doesn't lie it's trying to say there's something going on um we need some help here. So that's great. So being exposed to other people, a different way of being, and then you start to, you know, noticing it yourself too. I think that's really important what you said. You start to feel embarrassed about yeah. your drinking around people. I think that is a surefire sign that something's not right, yeah. you know, and this is for the people listening that, you know, if you are starting to feel a bit embarrassed or uh, if you're starting to minimise the amount that you're actually drinking well, and lying, lying about it. Yeah, if you're lying about it or hiding it, then there's something that's not quite right and that's a good sign. Something that you always do when you go to your doctor. As soon as you go yeah. to your doctor and they always they say to you, how much do you drink? You never tell them the truth or I never oh, do. God. How good is it now though? I just <laughs> love that when they ask you that question, like not, and not even lying about it. <laughs> <laughs> Except my doctor actually questioned me and said, what, you don't drink at all? And she questioned me like three times. She was, she didn't believe you or? I'm like, no, I don't drink. And she said, so I'll just put you down as a casual drinker. And I went, no, <laughs> I'm a non-drinker. I don't drink <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, my God. 
so you're at the gym, you've got this gym, the, the trainer, you're starting to be becoming more aware, I guess, because he's shone a bit of a light on it for you and the people around you are shining a light on it. Yeah. Where, where are you at at this point? I think I still just thought that I could moderate. Moderation, I can't moderate. I'm an all or nothing person. And I've realised that I'm all or nothing with everything. Like when I started to go to the gym, like I soon just became an everyday gym junkie. <laughs> and, um, yeah, like I go to the beach now um, and I try and go as much as I can, go for a swim and, um, yeah, I just get, I've got a very addictive personality. Yeah. In some ways that can be your ally. It's good to find a, a balance, but some in sometimes it can go in your favour too because you can really go at sobriety and you can really go at wellness. I definitely experienced the same, the exact same thing. So yeah. leading up to, you know, COVID and then you're drinking every day and it's it's increasing a lot, what are the, some of the things that are making you realise that you have to change, that something's got to change? Um just my mental health my depression my dark thoughts I yeah like and also like toxic behavior like the the way me and my husband would talk to each other and um that sort of thing I just knew something had to change I I and I felt so awful about myself that I just I didn't want to be here anymore I just um, yeah, definitely had some very, very dark thoughts and usually only when I was drinking. I didn't think like that when I was not drinking. So, yeah, I think I just, I just, in the end, I just got to the point where I just go, I just want to get pissed. I just want to not think about anything and I then I'd get to a stage where I'd just keep drinking and wouldn't, yeah, until I started to cry, until I started, like, I'd end up taking myself to bed just feeling worthless and and I'd start thinking my husband would be better off without me, my kids would be better off without me. Um, yeah, I just had so much self-loathing. It was, yeah, really awful. Well, that's so scary, isn't it? And, you, you know, I know myself having gone to some dark places at times when you drink and it feels so heavy and so real. And I I know personally of some friends that, that committed suicide when they were drinking, when they were intoxicated. Yeah. And you think, God, how would that have been? You know, would you have done that if you were sober? I mean, perhaps, but it's pretty scary. Yeah, and, like, I know... Um, a few people that have committed suicide and um, yeah I often wonder the same thing if only you could have got to that next day because yeah the thoughts that you think when you you are intoxicated and it's not well for me anyway I didn't ever feel that worthless even though I did not like myself um, I would never think that and I would never put myself in like a situation like that because I just loved my kids so much and I wouldn't I didn't want to do that to them but when I think when I was intoxicated I just thought well I didn't care 
I just, yeah, I just, I just really thought, I actually, I don't even think I thought about them. I just, and if I did, I thought, well, they'll be better off without me anyway. It's so scary, isn't it? God, it's so scary. And like Andrew talked about one of the other grads when he came on the podcast and talked about, you know, his um, suicidal ideation (laughs) that would go on for him when he was intoxicated and it sounded like it got pretty intense for yeah. him and it's just absolutely terrifying and to look at him now you think oh god thank god you know, know. Thank god you stopped yeah and it's yeah. hard isn't it because I mean what were you looking for in the alcohol when you were drinking at that stage what were you hoping the alcohol would give you I think it will you know do you get that that rush when you first start to drink and you're constantly then you're constantly chasing it I think I just I don't know I thought it would make me happy or maybe it was just dulling things out like yeah the feelings that I've felt (laughs) that was a lot like when I did give up drinking like just feeling so much emotion at certain stages um yeah I think because you just drown it all out you just drink drink all the emotions away you'd still have emotions you'd feel happy and you'd feel sad and but just to a different degree like very it, numb emotion. it's funny though how you're sort of drinking for happiness but by the end of the night this is not okay. even the next day it's like during yeah. you're thinking thoughts of, of hurting yourself and it's getting really dark so it's it's clearly it's not working, and that's that alcohol inversion theory I talk about. Yeah. That often the thing that we're looking for or hoping it will give us, it takes away anyway, or what yeah. we're hoping it'll take away, it gives us tenfold yeah. alcohol. So it's terrifying, really. And you think we're searching for something, we're looking for something, and we're thinking this thing is going to take it, you know, it's going to help us, but it's not helping at all. If anything, it's just disconnecting us from these emotions that are screaming out to be felt. Yeah. So that the healing can happen. Yeah. Um, huge. I, I mean, yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, just every day. Like I'd, I remember waking up every every morning and going, I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. And then by the afternoon, I'd go, fuck it. I'm going to yeah. have a drink. Yeah, because you're seeking that, you're seeking that <laughs> feeling of you want to feel good, but we're not putting two and two together that it's actually not helping. So talk to me a bit about when you decided to stop and when you did stop and you just touched on it before, those big emotions that are demanding to be felt, you know, whilst you're drinking, they're still there. They're still coming for you. So talk to me a bit about that because this is really important for people that have, that are sort of drinking for it to escape those big emotions that are showing up. How were you able to deal with those and sit with those? Because this is very important. I think in the beginning, just getting through each day was like really hard. And because I was still in lockdown, I just took myself to the beach every day. And I found that the cold water therapy was amazing for the way I felt. Um, So I would sit at the beach a lot and just feel stuff. And I guess I cried a lot and I still do because I'm a crier. I don't think I really, really started to sit with my feelings and my emotions. Um, There was definitely like times where I went up and down in the first like eight months, I think, until I, yeah, I really 
got stuck. I didn't know how I was going to get through it. And that's when I reached out to you and said, do you think that this challenge, your challenge would be a good thing for me to do? And um, because I was already eight months at that stage, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I really sat with my emotions until I started to work with you. Mm. I didn't know how to. And, yeah, you showed me that. Yeah, because it's such a big and powerful part of this and I, I feel that the more that people can learn that, you know, learn how to be able to sit with what's showing up, it's not very nice. It's not very comfortable sometimes, but it's it's what the our bodies are demanding. It's what the emotions are demanding. They're demanding to be felt. They yeah. have to be felt. You have, you know, feeling is healing. I hate to, you know, spout that cliche again, but it's so true. So and all it, the feelings. <laughs> yeah, all the feelings. Yeah, good, bad, and they come and they go. Like good yeah. comes and then good goes and bad comes and bad goes. And happy yeah. happy shows up and then it leaves and so does sad and, you know, they just come and go. Yeah. Yeah. And it's quite amazing. And once you realize that, wow, I can, I can, I can sit with this. I can feel this in my body. I can sit through it. It's, it's very rarely overtakes us. Like we think it's going to. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's the fear of feeling is far worse than actually doing the feeling. Oh, and trying to fight it or reacting to your feelings. Like I'm like, I react to my or I used to react to my feelings horrendously and I like yeah just yeah your reactions to things is that's that I think that that's my the the biggest thing I've learned is how I react to stuff yeah yeah and, and I guess and where that's coming from the origin of that trigger point I guess you know where that started and learning about that yeah because as soon as we have that awareness we are we get that liberation you know we start to see a bit of freedom on the other side of it yeah I mean well done to you it's absolute credit to you you know you're so you're so amazing and you've come so far it's so huge tell me some of the other struggles so there's obviously the sitting with the feelings and and learning to deal with that I know for you there was some you know feeling a bit left out of social things as well that came up that's hard yeah it is hard um I just I don't know whether it's people's lives change and it sort of happened at the same time that I gave up drinking or, but yeah, the whole like Friday night wines or the catch up, like just last minute catch up sort of things. Um, I miss that um, because I still, like I don't have a problem with other people who drink. I can still be around it. My husband still has a drink and I've got no problem with that. And I still have a drink as well, just doesn't have alcohol in it. Quite happy to yeah. I love I love an alcohol free sparkling champagne or whatever it's called. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so were you not getting invited to those things? Yeah, yeah. 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 And if you're like me, which I think you are, you know, if we're sensitive people, it really hurts. It freaking hurts. It still yeah. does hurt sometimes when you hear the it soccer does. mums organizing a catch up and you're not invited and you're like, why, why, <laughs> why can't I come just because I'm not getting shit faced? You don't want me there, shit faced. Believe me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, how, I mean, yes, how's you're right there in the chest. 
It does. Ooh. It hurts. And I think it's fine to acknowledge, you know, know when that shows up, acknowledge that that hurts. That's what I do. I go, oh, that hurts. And where yeah. I can feel it in my chest a bit and sometimes my tummy and I'm just like, that's okay. And I just give that part of me a bit of, you know, compassion and a bit of warmth that it needs and yeah, try not to trip out on it too much because it's never about us. It's sometimes just then just not thinking or they think that we won't enjoy it. Yeah. And I don't think it's anything. I, I honestly don't believe that it's personal. Yeah. So how have you dealt with that, Nat? Like how, in what ways have you been able to deal with that sting of rejection that shows up sometimes? I am still dealing with it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I think just, I don't know, knowing that I have some amazing people around me, I guess I always knew that things would change because yeah, I was probably a lot of the time that like one of the instigators, I would, yeah, I'd be trying to organize things that involved drinking, whereas now I'm not organizing stuff. So I guess like sometimes I have to be a bit proactive. I started a book club with my friends. Hey, excellent. So, yeah, that was, we've had, we've only had one catch up so far. Um, so do they drink when they come to the book club? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I had a sparkling fruit juice <laughs> with another friend and not everyone, like no one got smashed. Everyone just had a couple and well, I'm pretty sure everyone drove home anyway so it wasn't like it was a big party night I love that though that you've sort of changed your role like the role has changed with, within the friendship group and that takes a while to to adjust into that okay where do I where do I sit in the friendship role now especially if I was the instigator and organizing the catch-ups yeah. I was definitely that too like always organizing stuff at my house or having people over so that we could get drunk really that's what it was yeah. because it didn't doesn't really happen much <laughs> anymore you know and I noticed that yeah just sort of seeing how your role changes within the friendship groups and sometimes even within our own families noticing how your role changes and allowing that to change allowing that change to take place yeah so how's how's it been for your friends you know how have they sort of taken the new nat most of them I think I know that they've they've all said that they're proud of me and like I'm I'm so much better they a lot of them knew that I was struggling mentally wise and I I am so much better since I've quit drinking so I've actually just gone off my all my medication so that's very exciting because I never actually wanted to go on it in the first place yeah but I think some of them it's still hard and I don't know if they think it's hard. I don't know. I just, things things aren't the same because I'm not drinking. I'm, mm. yeah. How do you feel about that, that things aren't the same? It does. It's, it's hard, but I know that it's for the best, like for myself. Like I'm not going to change to go back to that person because I don't want to be that person ever again. And I'm just doing different things. So I know that life changes and I'm, I guess, I, like I'm, I've met so many amazing people at the gym and I think I'm more present at the gym now um, and just doing different things. I like swimming in the morning, like heaps of people, like I'll post a photo of the sunrise and a swim and people 
reach out to me and say, oh, I want to come for a swim. I really want to come for a swim. So, so cool. Like, and there was a stage there that I was going every day. I joined a challenge to swim every day of October. So, and I actually did that last year when I first gave up drinking and I found that that was, that really, really helped my mental health. The challenge was to raise money for mental health. And it was just something that just popped up and I thought, I'm going to do that. And the like, I just love the cold water. I went for a swim this morning now and it's 20 degrees in the water and it's a bit too warm. I like that real bite. <laughs> well, you set up an ice bath at your house, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. I love it. I'm just so proud of you. I think that's so freaking awesome. So <laughs> tell me, <laughs> oh, it's so good. So what's, what's sobriety given you so far in these 14 months? What changes uh, have you seen? Confidence, self-love. Uh, that was one of the things that I noticed straight away, like in within the first month, that how much I actually really did. I felt good about myself I and my self-love was coming back. I didn't have all that self-loathing and I'm actually a good person. And my mental health is so much better. The clarity, everything I do is so much better. My, like when I work out at the gym, I'm not injuring myself as much anymore. My business has exploded to the point where I'm just freak out that it's just so busy. Um, and I think that it's all it comes from me being a better person myself. Mm-hmm. So do you think that has- you're a better person or you're just more connected to yourself? Oh, yeah. I'm more connected to myself. I'm a better person because I'm not silly and drunk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. How do and you feel for myself? I'm not silly and drunk. <laughs> yeah, oh, it makes such a, it's such a huge difference about how you feel towards yourself. And my kids, my kids have said to me how proud they are of me, and they love that I don't drink. And yeah, that some conversations I've had with my eldest son that really got me that really got me in the chest can you share any of those um yeah one particular time this was early on he said to me like what we camped we used to go camping a lot at a family's property and he said to me that he felt quite responsible which just kills me to think that he thought that um, like that he had to sort of take care of everything yeah he had to be the adult yeah and he was only little but the the and like I don't we were always in control it wasn't like we were out of control when we had the kids there but just him the kids perception of people drinking maybe like they obviously just feel like anything could happen he said, I didn't know if, if something happened, then I might have to take care of everything. Wow. That was awful. Yeah. It's a big burden, isn't it, for a little person to have to carry? And I guess when we're, if you think about ourselves and when, when we were younger and looking at everyone around us drinking, it does feel really like unsafe, I guess, because you don't know, you know, especially when you've seen your parents behaving in, a, in ways that they don't normally behave, it's pretty unsettling. Yeah. It's pretty unsettling yeah. for kids. And yeah. I just don't think I ever realised that my drinking would affect him like that because I was never sort of 
really out of control when the kids were around. Yeah, I actually always like really handled myself. Um, well, I thought I did anyway. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's even the different look in your eye and, you know, like people yeah. look quite differently when they're intoxicated and, you know, if you're starting to feel a bit dark and getting emotion, you know, who knows what it is, but they notice, kids mm-hmm. notice everything. They're, they're smart oh, fuckers. You're so, you're so focused like when you're drinking and you don't realise that you're slurring your words and you're repeating yourself a hundred times and you definitely notice that when you're sober. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, you do. Yeah, that's fantastic, Nat. So it's it's really awesome and it's great that you've, you know, been able to come off your meds now. I mean, that's such, that's huge. I mean, that's just so huge to think about where you were before. It's such a gift, isn't it? Just to take this one thing out can change everything. I know. And I'm just like, it's sad to think that I got to 44 years old for me to realise that. Yeah, but it's so good that you have realised it. A good good nearly solid 30 years of drinking. (laughs) Yeah, but how many people get there and they don't realise it and they keep going? Yeah, it's such a gift. Yeah. If you could go back and speak to your younger self, um, what would you say to her? Um, I love you. Yeah. (laughs) I'd give her a big cuddle and I guess like be yourself and it's okay to be your shy self. You will learn ways to get around that. Like you will gain confidence eventually without all of that. What gives you confidence now? Um, I think me just being happy and successful and, um, knowing people around me like me and (laughs) care about me. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's nothing like someone that's authentically confident within themselves. And it doesn't mean that you're walking around up yourself, but it's just this sort of settled calmness that I think that comes along with people that are working on their shit and sobriety, they, they're confident because they feel good within themselves. And it's not this bullshit confidence that comes with yeah. alcohol that makes us act stupid. That's not real yeah. confidence. That's, that's a lie. Yeah. The confidence is definitely different and it's something that I've never experienced before. And it's not that I'm up myself cause I'm not, but yeah, I just feel so much better about myself and, I do feel confident because I do, like I know that I feel good inside and I am looking after myself and my family. So good. And when the sneaky bitch comes calling, well, does she come calling much, especially after after you've crossed that threshold of 12 months or even around the 12 months? Does she come calling for you very often? I think it did after the 12 months a little bit. I think it was just like, oh, God, what now? I think I was just counting down that 12 months. It was always going to be, well, I said it was a 12-month thing to people, but I always knew it was a forever thing. But after the 12 months, I really, yeah, got into a bit of a lull and went, okay, this is it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think doing more work on myself and definitely the practices, the daily practice and meditation and all that self-work 
that you continue, you have to continue because, like, life gets hard. So you've got to look after yourself. Absolutely. Um, and it's usually the only time I think when the sneaky bitch has come around is when stuff does get hard. I'm totally fine in a social situation. I don't want to drink. I'm happy to drink my non-alcoholic drinks. But when stuff happens, that's that's when it's hard. But I know that I don't want to go back. So it's not actually that hard because I don't want to drink. I'm not mm. drinking. I don't drink. I'm a non-drinker. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. That's so awesome. You're such a legend. <laughs> that's amazing. That and just lastly, what would what would you offer up to anyone that's having, you know, some mental health issues with it and they've been using alcohol for a crutch and so they're a bit worried about going into that unknown? What would what what would you say to them for encouragement? Um, just don't drink because it is so much better. Once you make that decision, I think that you're not going to drink, it's, that's it. Like I know it it definitely was hard to start with, but you've just got to persevere. You've just got to not drink because every day gets better. That's so true. Every day gets better. That's right. So persevere, commit yes. and keep your focus. I did a post about that today. Like change is really hard. Change is hard. Yes. But just because we've got an addiction or a bad habit, it doesn't have to be a life sentence. You know, yeah. so commit and focus, be compassionate towards yourself. You're, you know, it takes courage, but you're braver than you know, and you're stronger than you know. Yeah. 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 I remember listening to the podcast you did with Ash about commitment. Mm. And right. it's so true. I just, and I always think about that. And I always tell people that I've had other friends that have stopped drinking since I've stopped drinking and family members. Um, and it's, it is, it's such a battle. Like if you think I'm not going to drink, but then you decide when you're there, I really want to have a drink. I'm going to have a drink. And then you end up catching a taxi home or yeah, because it is that commitment. If you decide that you're not going to drink, then you don't drink. There's no, it's out of the equation. Yep. Keep your commitment at 100%. Yeah. Because 95% gives you, that's where the sneaky bitch can get in and you start to sway. There's no such thing as 95% commitment. It's got to be 100%. If you want this, stay committed and just keep reminding yourself, no, this is what I want. This is what I want. And the whole playing it forward is an amazing tool, I think. Yeah. There's a reason why you wanted to stop. Do you want to go back to that? Yeah. 100%. Definitely not. (laughs) <laughs> that is that is the what kept me going 100% was just playing that fucker forward and just going I know if I have that I, I'm not stupid anymore you know I know if I have that where that ends up you know I've been around the block a few times now play it forward don't kill don't kid yourself don't kid yourself yeah, yeah. and it might, it might take years for you to get back to that but you'll get there yeah. I know that I'm yeah. All or nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Particularly if you're an all or nothing person, absolutely. Well, Nat, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on and and sharing this and sharing your story. It's super brave of you to come and share. It's not easy to come and just be vulnerable and, you know, let thousands and thousands of people hear your story. 
but it's helping, you know, it'll be reaching other people. And I really thank you for that. Thank you for having me. And I hope that it can help someone because it is, it can be lonely. And so it's nice to know that there's other people out there going through and everyone's stories are different, but very similar. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Yep. We can hear a bit of ourselves in every person's story. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, Nat, you're gorgeous. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm so appreciative of you and Lyndall and all of the grads group and yeah, just your work that you do is amazing. Oh, thanks mate. Didn't even have to pay you for that. (laughs) (laughs) See you gorgeous. See ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.